This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, so you're on a flight. You're sitting in your seat, seatbelt on, slightly reclined, shoes off, enjoying your in-flight meal, and watching a movie. There's a gentle ping from the speaker system. And a calm voice asks, is there a doctor on the flight? What could be worse? Well, how about if that calm voice over the speaker was asking, is there a pilot on board? Larger flights have a tremendous amount of backup and redundancies to ensure that pilots can take off and land safely. The biggest one of these is the co-pilot. If something happens to one of the pilots, there's a second one on board to take over. Sometimes, on smaller regional flights, there's only one pilot. And if something happens to that person, it might be a good idea to check under your seat for a parachute. But, in a few rare situations, passengers have found themselves behind the controls and, with the help of air traffic controllers, actually have been able to land successfully. When someone is assisted by radioed instructions from the ground or another nearby aircraft, it's called a talk-down landing. Luckily, they are far and few between. In fact, there's no record of any large commercial aircraft involved in a talk-down landing. But, there have been a few intense situations involving smaller planes. In March 2001, Rowan Atkinson, the actor famously known for playing Mr. Bean, was caught in a decidedly unfunny situation when the pilot of the Cessna 202 he and his family were flying in lost consciousness. Atkinson was vacationing in Kenya with his wife and two children. On March 23rd, the Atkinson family was traveling from the resort in Kenya to Nairobi's Wilson Airport. Nearly 45 minutes into the flight, at an altitude around 16,000 feet, their captain passed out. As the plane rocked back and forth and started to nosedive, Atkinson unsuccessfully tried to revive the pilot. The comedian got serious and sprung into action, taking over the controls. In his role as Johnny English, the bumbling British spy, Atkinson's character was forced to fly a helicopter. But in real life, the actor had never flown anything. Incredibly, he was able to keep the plane airborne. While Atkinson was quickly learning how to fly, his wife attempted to revive the pilot. She tried shaking him and splashing him with water, but when that didn't work, Atkinson tried a more hands-on approach. A few slaps across the face did the trick. When the pilot came to, 
He was completely unaware of the terrifying events that unfolded only moments earlier. The pilot was soon well enough to take over the controls, and was able to complete the flight, making a safe landing in Nairobi. Perhaps even more impressive, the Atkinson family promptly hopped on another plane and headed home to London. Comedian or not, missing your connection is no laughing matter. So, technically, this wasn't a talk-down landing, because the pilot came to and landed the plane himself. But it's still pretty impressive. Eight years later, Doug White, the owner of an equipment leasing company from Louisiana, would find himself in a terrifying situation similar to Rowan Atkinson. Less than 10 minutes after takeoff, the pilot of Doug White's chartered King Air flight passed out. With the pilot incapacitated, White radioed air traffic control and advised them of his dire situation. The plane was climbing at around 1,500 feet per minute, and none of the air traffic controllers knew how to fly the King Air. As White desperately tried to keep the plane airborne, controllers on the ground scrambled to find answers. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. In April 2009, 56-year-old Doug White, his wife Terry, and their two teenage daughters were in Florida attending a funeral. On April 12th, the family chartered a flight back to their home state of Louisiana. The flight took off at around 2.30 p.m. and was expected to take approximately three hours. The chartered plane was a King Air 200, and it was the second time White had flown in that type of aircraft. He had earned his private pilot certificate almost two decades earlier, but that was just in a two-seater Cessna. Aside from both being planes, the King Air and a Cessna are very different aircraft. For one thing, the King Air was much larger than the Cessna 172 White flew in. It had more seats, multiple engines, an autopilot setting, pressurization, and fly-by-instrument capabilities. The King Air was three times faster and five times heavier than anything Doug White had ever flown. Just a few months before he and his family chartered the King Air flight home, Doug White had started flying again. He had just logged another 150 hours, bringing his total flying time to about 230 hours. A respectable time in the sky, but in the world of aviation, that's a baby step. But having just taken up the hobby again, White was excited for the chance to sit in the cockpit on the flight back to Louisiana. As he sat next to the pilot, White was taking it all in. He was just happy to be up front, looking out the window and chatting with the captain. He was asking questions about the instrumentation. White later said that it was just a random thought that led him to ask about the communication system. Quote, I don't know why I did this, but I remember asking what button to push to use the radio. That would prove to be a great question. The person at the controls of the chartered King Air flight was 67-year-old Joe Kabak, a former U.S. Air Force pilot. Kabak had flown combat missions, commanded a fighter wing in England, and served as Assistant Director of Operations for NATO in Italy. He retired from the Air Force in 1989 and moved back to Louisiana, where he spent the next 20 years flying chartered planes out of Monroe Regional Airport. 
It was about 10 minutes into the flight when Cabot switched on the autopilot and started to go through the various checklists. The plane was passing through a thin layer of clouds as it headed over the Gulf of Mexico. With his wife and kids sitting comfortably in the back, Doug White was relaxing in the co-pilot's seat, staring out the window. A moment later, the captain made a strange noise that immediately caught his attention. He said that when he looked over, the pilot's head was down and that his eyes began to roll back. With his hands still resting in his lap, the captain was no longer moving, and it wasn't clear if he was even breathing. White yelled for his wife Terry and asked her to come up front to the cockpit. He explained that Joe Cabot was unconscious, and he was worried that the pilot might fall against the controls. Terry tried to move him from the small cockpit, but he weighed over 200 pounds, making it virtually impossible. Instead, she pulled the harness straps as tight as possible to keep him upright. With the only pilot unconscious, Doug White leapt into action. He noticed that the plane was climbing at around 1,500 feet per minute, and that the autopilot had been set to 10,000 feet. He assumed that meant the plane would level off when it reached that altitude, but it kept on climbing. White had never flown higher than 7,000 feet, and was now quickly on his way to doubling that. Running out of options and unfamiliar with all the dials and switches on the instrument panel, he did recognize one button right away, the radio. Wasting no time, he pressed the transmit button and was immediately connected to the Miami Air Center. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Nate Hankels, a Miami Air Traffic Controller, answered White's radio transmission. I need to get this thing on the ground. I'm flying to King Air. And uh, are, are you uh, at the concept now? I am co-pilot seat. Air Niner Delta Whiskey, understand you are able to fly an aircraft? Single engine, I need to get off this. I'm going through 11,000. I need to get level. Hankels asked him to confirm what altitude the plane's autopilot was set to. Yeah, right. Uh, can you tell us what altitude it says it's going to climb to? 
And the altitude said it's 10,000, but I'm going through 13 now. It should have leveled off at 10. So how do I stop that is what I want to know. Henkels told White to maintain an altitude of 12,000 feet, but neither of them knew how to do that on the King Air. While the air traffic controller tried to find help, White again expressed concern about his increasing altitude. Still climbing through 14,000. Uh, no, autopilot once again says 10,000. I've already busted 10,000. I'm steady climbing. I need to stop the climb. There was no response. It was radio silence. Stay with me, man. Let's go. White later said that he tried to stay calm and listen to the air traffic controllers. He said, quote, It was a focused fear, and I was in some kind of a zone that I can't explain. After what must have felt like an eternity, Hankels finally replied, saying that they were working on a solution. Just then, his supervisor arrived with Lisa Grimm, an air traffic controller, and a pilot. Thankfully, Grimm had experience flying a King Air, but only for two hours. It was enough, however, that she was able to instruct White how to disengage the autopilot. I disengaged it. I'm flying the airplane by hand. Once the autopilot was off and the plane had stopped climbing, Doug White's focus turned to descending and landing. You find me the longest, the widest runway you can, ma'am. While Lisa Grimm was busy assisting White, the other air traffic controllers quickly and efficiently worked to reroute planes, clearing a path for the King Air flight to land at the International Airport in Fort Myers. Grimm instructed White to descend to 11,000 feet and start heading west across Florida to Fort Myers. Number nine or Delta Whiskey, just so you know what we're doing here, we're going to get you down to 1-1000. We're going to give you a turn to the west. We're going to hand you off to Fort Myers Approach, and they've got some uh, controllers there that also have pilot experience, and they're going to talk you all the way in down to the landing there. Do you have any experience in uh, a King Air? Negative. All right, number five, Delta Whiskey, you're doing a real good job. Just keep you doing a, right, a very good uh, holding your heading, a real nice descent there. Just to put your mind at ease, there's good weather at uh, Fort Myers. There's no... Uh, Grimm then passed White over to Brian Norton, an air traffic controller in the Fort Myers airspace. Okay, number five, Delta Whiskey, real nice job in that turn there, and you're going to be talking to Fort Myers approach here in just a minute. Like I said, they're going to take their time and talk to you and get you down safe. Okay, five, five, nine, Delta Whiskey, Fort Myers approach. And uh, are you in the descent right now, sir? Uh, yeah, what you want me to do is hold it or what? Actually, if you can, um, we can just start a descent down to 5,000, and we're getting some help uh, from another pilot that's familiar with the airplane. We'll get you some information. Well, this is a King Air uh, 200. Hoping for a break, Doug White tried engaging the autopilot again. 
but it didn't do what he expected. Instead of flying straight and level, the plane started turning north. They were now heading toward Jackson, Mississippi, where Doug was supposed to be dropped off before the rest of his family continued on to Louisiana. So with autopilot no longer an option, he had to fly the plane manually. Hey, November 9, Delta Whiskey, are you using the autopilot or are you flying the airplane? Me and the good Lord hand flying this 9 Delta Whiskey. 9 Delta Whiskey, uh, how many souls on board? Five. Five? Okay, thank you. As he prepared to descend, White became concerned that the aircraft was traveling way too fast. Yeah, I need to slow my descent down. That's 2,500 feet per minute here. I need to get my throttle set for this descent. I don't know where to set it at. Nine Delta Whiskey, they're telling me you can slew the heading bug. Do you know how to do that? No. Okay, no problem. Nearly 20 minutes after Doug White first made contact with air traffic control, a pilot arrived who was certified to fly a King Air. His name was Kerry Sorensen, and he came prepared with manuals, cockpit layout schematics, and flight checklists. He started giving instructions to Norton. The controller then relayed those instructions to White. As the King Air flight descended to around 5,000 feet, he was heading on a direct path toward the Fort Myers airport. When he was just eight miles away, Air traffic control confirmed that he was cleared to land. Yeah, Niner Delta Whiskey, it'll be runway 6. It's a 12,000-foot runway, so you're going to have plenty of runway to work with. And we got equipment standing by, and uh, it's all yours. understand. Got dead pilots inside me. Norton later said that while he did hear it, he did not want to acknowledge that the pilot was dead. The controller said that he wanted to keep White talking and to make sure that his head was in the game. And uh, 9 Delta Whiskey, just want to verify you do have the autopilot and off. I got the two black buttons on disengaged, which is down on the console. Okay, sir, thank you. And 9 Delta Whiskey on the instrument panel, is there a, a landing checklist? No, I'm not worried with that right now. I'm heading 140 at 6,000 right now. I can put the gear down in the flaps. Okay, that's good. That's good information. Do you know where the flap control handle is? I do. I don't know what uh, setting to put them on. Okay, I'll get you that information in just a moment then. And 9 Delta Whiskey, uh, make your final approach speed 120 knots indicated. Uh, you've got time for that though. You're still six miles out, but 120 knots will be your final approach speed. As he approached the 12,000 foot long runway, he said, quote, there were buzzers amber lights, horns. It was like a circus. The only thing I was concentrating on was keeping the airspeed up and the wings level. You know, just fly the plane. Nine Delta Whiskey, more information for you. It's just easy with the tires. You get close to the runway to keep the nose up, keep the tire on it, but easy uh, in and out with the tire. They're very responsive, so you'll get a lot of response out of it. Once you make it onto the ground, just uh, center line with the rudder pedals. You kill the throttle and maximum braking. And ground speed looks good. You have plenty of runway, sir, so if you got to add a lot of power to make the threshold, that's fine. you got 12,000 feet of runway. Wind check again. 340 at 3 knots. It's almost calm. 9 Delta Whiskey, Roger. It looks good from here. Good job. It ain't no work till it's over, Fran. It ain't no work till it's over. 
good. You're right on the money. You're lined up for the runway. So altitude, your discretion. You can proceed visually and just let me know when you have the gear and the flaps down. First notch down, the flaps not at all risky. When I touch down, if I ever touch down, do I just kill the throttle or what? That's correct. When you touch down, slowly uh, kill the throttle. Nine dollar whiskey, uh, the runway's all yours. Incredibly, it was a textbook landing. Or as textbook as it could be, given the situation. Still, the touchdown was smooth, and the plane stopped with plenty of runway left in front of it. Power all the way back, and they're telling me max braking. We're down, buddy. Not a dead whiskey. Nine Delta Whiskey, when you're ready, you can go to ground frequency 121.9. Nice work. 121.9, thank you. The last instruction Doug White received from air traffic control was how to turn off the engines. In total, White flew the plane for roughly 45 minutes. His family was shaken, but physically okay. Unfortunately, the pilot, Joe Kabak, did not survive. EMTs attempted to revive him for 30 minutes, but it was too late. It was later confirmed that Kabak had died from a heart attack. Six air traffic controllers helped Doug White land safely. For their roles, they were all honored with the Archie League Medal of Safety Award from the National Air Traffic Controllers Association. To express his personal thanks in his own Southern way, White treated everyone to a steak dinner. Doug White doesn't think of himself as a hero. He said, quote, It was a success due to a combination of good primary flight instruction, excellent coordination with air traffic control, an excellent airplane, and divine intervention. He also said, quote, Let's don't ever lose sight of the fact that a guy died who was also a grandpa. He said Joe Kabak was, quote, A real professional pilot and a great guy. If I could be half the pilot he was, I'd be tickled. Unfortunately, White didn't escape his misadventure completely untouched. He was still suffering from nightmares months after the ordeal, dreaming he was piloting a plane he didn't know how to fly. But this just motivated him to concentrate on his flight training even more. As a pilot, he now has his multi-engine rating, instrument rating, and commercial rating. Just to be sure though, he also frequently takes to the skies in a King Air plane. You know, just for practice. At least Doug White had a few hours of flight experience before he took the controls of the King Air. Unfortunately for Max Sylvester of Perth, Australia, he had a lot less. In August 2019, the 29-year-old was taking his first flying lesson in a small Cessna. 
About one hour into the flight, he contacted air traffic control and let them know that his instructor had collapsed behind him. Emergency, emergency, emergency. This is Tango, Foxtrot, Romeo, can you hear me? Tango, Foxtrot, Romeo, Jandicott Tower, I can hear you. What's the problem? The flight was Sylvester's third flight ever, and his first in this particular plane. When the controller asked him if he knew how to operate the airplane, Sylvester replied, This is my first um, lesson. The air traffic controller focused on keeping Sylvester positive. Everything that you're doing is really, really good. Your turns are really nice and gentle. You're holding your altitude really well. Everything that you're doing is spot on. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you. When the controller told him that he was doing a great job, Max Sylvester replied, Yeah, well, my flight instructor did say that I was the best student he's had. I hope they don't think I'm paying for this flight. Yeah, no, if, uh, if they make you pay for it, I'll pay for it with my own wallet. You really have to applaud his sense of humor in a stressful situation like this. This time we're going to land it, okay? Nose down towards the threshold, nose down. Nose down more, nose down more, nose down more, nose down more, nose down more. Perfect, perfect. Power, power off. Raise the nose gently. Raise the nose gently. Hold it off, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it right there. This is perfect. Hold it, hold it. Gently start breaking now. Gently start breaking now, and you're down on the ground. You did it, mate. Well done. That's amazing. You've done so well. Just hold it right there. You've done absolutely an amazing job. Well done. Sylvester was able to safely land the plane, much to the relief of his wife and three children, who had been on the ground watching the entire time. Thankfully, the instructor pilot was revived and was in stable condition in the days following the incident. With his feet back on the ground and his young son in his arms, Max Sylvester still can't believe what happened. Only in movies that you'd hear about something like this happening. The student pilot back at Jandicott Airport today after the mid-air ordeal that's made headlines around the world. I'd hope I'd make it. Sort of fight and flight. That was it. Adrenaline. The young father was forced to take the controls in the cockpit when his instructor suffered a medical episode and passed out on Saturday. Making the situation all the more tense, he was trying to keep the instructor upright and breathing. Thanks to his calm handling of the situation, Max Sylvester received his first flying solo certificate. This, however, is probably not the way he thought he would earn it. Thank you, Foxer. I mean, congratulations on your first solo. As he was descending, the air traffic controller reminded Max Sylvester of what he, as well as Doug White and Rowan Atkinson, could all take away from their talk-down landings. Well, we definitely have a story to tell at the end of this. True is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by Haley Gray. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. Cover art and design was created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. 
comments, questions? Get a hold of us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. A huge thanks for listening and for all of your amazing reviews and ratings. I'll be back next week with another episode. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.